Welcome to episode 8 of Darnton Watch, a podcast designed to support researchers investigating book publishing, circulation and reading practices to share their talks and papers online. This is a recording of Dr Jan Zoir delivering the paper Key Findings from a Three-Year Study on the Contemporary Australian Book Industry, Authors, Publishers and Readers in a Time of Change at the 2018 Independent Publishing Conference held at the Wheeler Centre in Melbourne. Copyright in all content on Danton Watch resides with the originating researcher. Thank you. I'm not actually um, introducing new findings from the project today, so what I thought I'd do is just um, try, try in the time available to give an overview of some of the key key uh, findings. And also given that um, there are a lot of um, book industry researchers, reflect on some of the decisions we made at various points about research methodologies. Um, So this research was um, funded by the Australia Research Council, Macquarie University and uh, the Australia Council for the Arts. And It was situated um, particularly in cultural economics. As you would probably know, Professor David Throsby is a professor of economics. But it's interdisciplinary research and drew heavily on book history, which itself is comprised of publishing studies, literary studies, marketing and so on. And I think the interdisciplinary nature of the project was, was very important And what we wanted to do was have an understanding of what has changed. I mean, the the point of this study was that it's um, recently been a period of global disruption in the industry, as we would all be aware. And to understand what has changed, we then, first of all, had to look to scholarship about um, uh, how the Australian industry developed, how Australian book culture developed. And um, Australian scholarship was very important for moving past, I guess, um, uh, prevailing, you know, co- you know, common assumptions and really unpick- scholarship that unpicked the, the stages of the development of the industry. I'm moving quickly through the first part of this. Of course, this was in a period of a time of contraction in the industry. Um, at one point, there was a 20% contraction in on-sale on Retail, uh, onshore retail sales of trade books in Australia. This was also a period when offshore sales picked up and they were never really quantified. So on the one hand, we had bookstore closures, publishers closed, we had a move to contracting out within the industry uh, and yet at the, and, and a tightening of onshore trade. At the same time, we, we don't know for sure that... Um, the, the purchasing rates of books declined. It may well be that a substantial proportion just shifted offshore. The dollar was strong during part of this period. This is when Amazon and the, the book depository were taking off and so on. And what we wanted to look at is how are authors responding to changes in the industry? Are authors' um, practices as cultural creators changing? We wanted to know are authors better off or worse off than previously? And then within that, we wanted to know, are there particular types of authors that were finding the um, contemporary environment um, more difficult for them, uh, for their careers and their skills development, uh, or or worse? And then what are the implications of the changes for the the future of the, the profession? 
In terms of publishers, we wanted to know, are publishers innovating in response to this global disruption? And if they were, we wanted to understand how were they doing that and why, and once again, the implications of that. And of course, with readers, the third part of our study, well, first of all, um, are Australians still reading books? Are they reading Australian books? Do they care about this idea of um, a, a, an Australian book or a, you know, a book written by an Australian author? And what does that mean? And um, what are the implications of demographic changes? Now, in terms of methodologies, um, I'm going to, uh, we started with an online discussion forum with authors and then a national survey of 1,000 book authors. Uh, with publishers, we um, put together 25 case studies of innovative authors and then we um, did a survey. We, we actually surveyed um, trade and education publishers, but we didn't get a high enough response rate from education publishers. Uh, so our findings were just published um, on trade, trade publishing. And then with the Australia Council, a national survey of 3,000 Australians, including book readers and non-readers, and um, Paul Crosby, who's here today, um, as part of the component of his PhD research, uh, conducted a survey to do with cultural value and literature at the Brisbane Writers' Festival. So first of all, I'll move on to the authors. And um, Pear um, identified a couple sort of critical aspects of the research this morning when he said, well, who actually identifies as an author? And um, actually, I'm going to jump to a slide ahead here. And here you can see the very, very broad groupings that we put together. But we d deliberately went as broad as possible. So we worked closely with um, the Australian Society of Authors, with Australian poetry, with romance writers of Australia, uh, with children's squibby, children's book writers and illustrators, um, and... Um, developing uh, our survey questionnaire and our, our lines of questioning with them. But all in all, we worked with 28 um, writers' organisations, also with state-based writers' organisations. And um, it took us months to actually uh, you know, work out what, what was the scope going to be. For example, um, you couldn't just define it as someone who earns their living from being an author, that by their, a book author, that from its very nature would actually exclude a lot of authors. Um, and likewise, how do we define a book? And, um, you know, we didn't want someone who just does blogs, that's fine, but this is a survey of book authors. And we worked very closely with IFBook, uh, the Centre for the Future of the Book in Queensland, and they helped us develop a definition of, of a book, um, which actually I think has held up pretty well. But first of all, I want to talk about the online forum. And this was, I think, came about partly because I was teaching marketing at the time. And we normally, if you're going to do a survey, you would run focus groups. And we thought with the budget that we had, we could probably run a couple focus groups in Sydney, maybe one other capital city and maybe one other regional centre. And then you've got to try and get the authors to have time to turn up to the focus group. And they're either writing their books or they're working on their day jobs to have their money or they've had a book launched and they're out touring, promoting their book. And so um, 
um, at the, uh, there was a lot of work being done in marketing at the time in terms of using online forums as a form of market research. And so I was able to talk to the marketing academics and say, well, if we were to design this online forum, how would we go about this? And basically, we ran this for four weeks, and over 50 authors participated, um, very strongly initially under the leadership of Angelo Lukakis, the former um, director of the Australian Society of Authors, who wrote to um, many of the board members, asking them to participate. And um, basically... I think we, we, we actually brainstormed all sorts of scenarios where things might go wrong um, because we had best-selling authors, we had experimental authors, we had literary authors, we had performance poets. We wanted as broad a range as possible. And the, the quality of the discussion in this closed online forum was such that we developed it into a series of articles for the um, ASA um, members magazine, but that they were open access. And really the authors participated and, and took the, the discussion topics so seriously, I think because they were giving back to their industry. They wanted to support the research, not because of who we were, although I think probably David Throsby's name um, added a lot, but because this was seen as a way that authors could help to raise the quality of information about their profession. And what that meant was that it raised all sorts of themes and questions and we could then turn these into um, pretty, you know, uh, light readable articles in the ASA magazine and then at the end of these say, well, this is, these are some examples of experiences with self-publishing but is this representative? We don't know. Um, we're going to do a survey and we, we hope that you'll participate. Now, um, we set ourselves a goal of a 1,000 authors to respond, um, which um, there were a few times when we thought, why? Why did we come up with that number? It seemed overly ambitious. But, of course, one of the things about setting a big number is then you work on a strategy to achieving that. And um, we worked closely with, um, as I said, 28 um, writers' organisations. Tweeting was very important. Sophie Masson is here today, who was chair of the ASA at the time, and she filled out the survey and then tweeted. I filled out the survey and, you know, tweeted a link to it. And so tweeting and retweets were very important for getting support. And, um, and, and then... Um, uh, um, and uh, the copyright agency put links to the survey in the newsletter. So in terms of the findings, um, women make up two-thirds of book authors. Um, I think one of the things that surprised me was that professional book authors are really uh, are relatively old and the vast majority are over 40. And so we had this image in the media of the new writer, you know, the discovery um, in, the, in their 20s or, or early 30s. But that is not typical. Um, we saw the take-up of self-publishing, um, particularly in genre fiction, um, children's and education publishing, and we saw all sorts of experimentation going on. Now, um, some of the surprising findings, I guess, the, the low average earnings made the headlines, um, 
but also 38% of authors rely on income from a partner. So there was a very witty article in The Australian saying, um, well, everyone thanks the Australia Council for the Arts, but what about the partners of um, book authors and who are, who are supporting them too? But I think a really important finding was that 30% of literary authors reported that they're worse off financially than they were five years ago. And I think that was a, a really significant um, um, pattern in the changes. To just move on quickly to publishers, um, we worked very closely with the Publishers Association and the Small Press Network. And one of the things that we found um, very, very difficult to identify was the number of, of specialist book publishers. Of course, we also worked with Thorpe Bowker, but we know that there are thousands of organisations that publish a book or books, you know, from the scouts and, and, and so on. But um, to, um, to actually identify the number of specialist book publishers, and in particular the micro-publishers, the very small publishers with... Uh, turnover under $100,000 a year. Um, but I think these came through as one of the most optimistic um, sectors in the um, study. I'm just going to go jump forward a bit. Um, we looked at the sort of um, improvements that are being made. So first of all, we did case studies um, uh, interviewing publishers that were recommended as being innovative publishers and uh, found a huge range of innovations being reported. But, of course, you're self-selecting innovative publishers. And so then one of the questions was, well, to what extent is this widespread? And so then we conducted a survey. And um, I just wanted to cover some of the, I think, most interesting findings from this. Now, which types of publishers are better off and worse off and which types of publishers um, were resourced to innovate. And interestingly, we found that large book publishers, um, and we defined that um, as being over $10 million turnover per annum, were most likely to have the resources to invest in wide-scale reform. And um, this is, you know, um, because they had, they had the scale and... Um, subsidiaries of multinational publishers could draw on their parent companies for resources and know-how. Um, but even so, a third reported that they're worse off financially than five years ago. And at the very other end of the scale, um, born modern, what we call born modern micro-publishers, um, I think many of these are part-time operations. Many of these are relatively um, new. And they are agile, they have very low overheads, and they seem to be more optimistic about their ability. And I wonder if that's because the um, people who established them had a certain set of expectations, and they're often very, very professional, qualified people who set up these small presses. Then they have low op um, overheads, they have other sources of income. Then in the middle... Small publishers, which we defined as between $100,000 and $10 million a year. But I would say um, we know of several larger publishers at the higher end of that scale, and, and I don't know that they would necessarily count among this. But at the lower end of that scale, more, more likely to report that they are worse off. And this is where I think you have publishers that have 
high overheads, they've got substantial amounts of staff, maybe they once were innovators, but they don't necessarily have the resources now to upgrade, say, their financial systems or their workflow practices, although they're trying. Um, and I'm just now going to move on to the third part of the study, um, Australian book readers. Um, but before I do, I'll just mention what's significant about that middle band of publishers that I, that I mentioned, uh, trade publishers, is they publish, they're really important for publishing a lot of Australian, um, Australian works. And so they're actually very, very important to Australia's book culture. And I would say that all the publishers are, but they play quite a distinctive role. Now, there were just two points that I wanted to mention in relation to our survey of Australians um, about books and writing. First of all, um, we, we surveyed um, people from the ages of 14 upwards and we seriously investigated four different research, market research organisations and we chose Roy Morgan Research because we thought that their um, recruitment of their panel members was the most robust. So this is something that I learned, for example, is some of these market research panels, they don't actually check out if the people filling out the surveys online are really who they say they are. And so someone might make money doing surveys for market research companies and they'll be a 70-year-old grandmother for one and they'll have an identity as a 35-year-old yuppie for another one. And, 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 and Roy Morgan, someone actually visits the house and checks that the person filling out the survey is who they say they are. And what we saw is a big culture change coming through in the way that Australians interact with books. Um, for under, uh, under the age of 40, huge engagement with so social media, a whole different set of practices compared to the over 40s. And I think this opens up all, all sorts of opportunities for research. And the other finding I think that was really interesting from the survey um, of Australians was a big change in attitudes to uh, readership of Australian authored books. And here, this is one question where we asked, do you like to read books by Australian authors? And this could include books set in imaginary settings overseas or in Australia. And if you look at the red band down the bottom, the red band is where people are saying yes. And the high end of the red band is the older the author, sorry, the older the reader, the more, the more likely they, they are to say yes. And if you look at, as the red band drops down, the younger the respondent, the less likely they were to say, yes, I like to read books by Australian authors. It doesn't actually mean that they're not reading them. In fact, when we ran focus groups um, we, with 14-year-old uh, students and said, do you like to read books by Australian authors? They just looked at us blankly, but then they'd rattle off the names of authors looking for us to tell them whether they're Australian authors or not. Now, does this matter? Well, of course, as readers, we all like to read the best of global culture, according to our own tastes. But um, uh, as taxpayers, if we want to support the development opportunities and publishing opportunities for a broad range of Australian book culture, not just the surefire commercial titles, then you are talking about taxpayer support. And so one of the arguments coming out from this is I think we need a language that relates to younger 
um, younger Australians about how we think about this industry and, and the role of, of taxpayer support. Now, I think I'm out of time. One minute. Okay, so I'm going to skip ahead. Um, there's, there's the address. Um, uh, so all the reports that are published are um, uh, available at the um, uh, website below. Um, I just wanted to flag that we are about to start a new project. It, this is advanced notification. It hasn't been um, formally announced yet. But this is uh, with the Copyright Agency and the Australia Council for the Arts. And this is looking at the success of um, right sales for Australian books over the last 10 years. And this is a project that was brought to us by members of the industry. So even within all the flux and the change that's going on, um, I think there's still reason to be optimistic, but I'd be happy to answer in, in, in questions. I think that there are still significant challenges. So um, um, I think I'll, I'll stop there and look forward to the discussion. <laughs> <laughs>